welcome to the first ever Q&A episode of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Bonnie Gallum, and I'm excited to get into our first listener question. This quick question involves uh, kind of two things that are very hot at the moment. The first being midterm rentals. My girl, Sarah Weaver, is like the queen of midterm rentals. But we're talking about these like 30 to 90 day kind of stays. When I talk about midterm, we're beyond the you know realm of what Airbnb or Verbo or VRBO. I don't know how you actually call that one. I've never actually rented it. I'm an Airbnb girl myself. But that other one with the other uh, consonants in it, um, we're, we're talking about stays longer than what those types of apps or websites would be uh, marketing. But an interesting twist to the question is that it also touches upon ADUs, accessory dwelling units, which here sadly in the Northeast are like not as much of the rage yet, thanks to some um, draconian zoning laws uh, that are pervasive around these parts. Uh, but I do see the tides changing slowly, slowly. I know uh, near me, Princeton, New Jersey is testing out um, allowing a few accessory dwelling units to, to see how these things work. But in case you're not familiar with ADUs, uh, which is the much easier way to say accessory dwelling units. See, I can't even get it out right there. But ADUs are basically you plopping another piece of property on your land or attached to um, your building in some way. Say you put like an apartment above your garage or you put... Um, like a tiny house or a small house in your backyard, something like that, where it's an additional rental property on what would otherwise normally be just like a single family residence. Um, I know sometimes they're not always single family residences, but I see this most often. Um, they've, you know, not only been used as, you know, additional sources of income for rentals, but sometimes they're like intended to be for like grown children or aging parents. Like there's a lot of reasons why people kind of want to have a full second unit uh, attached or uh, a part of their property. And so that is what we're going to be talking about in today's uh, episode. Uh, I'll play for you the clip uh, of the exact question in just a second. But I wanted to remind you that if you yourself have a question you would like answered on a future episode of the podcast, just go to bonniegallum.com forward slash podcast. And there's a little link right there for you to leave me essentially a voicemail like the one you're about to hear in a second. And so like I said, that's bonniegallum.com forward slash podcast. And without further ado, here is our question from Amy. Hi, Bonnie. This is Amy. And I had a question on the best entity to put a detached dwelling unit um, that's going to be used for traveling nurses. So not Airbnb completely short term, but we're looking at 13 to 26 weeks and the benefits of um, what entity we should put that in. All right. Thank you so much for all the good work you do. Um, love reading your posts and your podcast. Thank you. So Amy, here's where my head's at. My first thing that comes to my head is is whether this is actually located on a separate, we'll say taxable lot. If it is, which I would admit is probably the exception rather than the rule, most of the times these accessory dwelling units are attached to just like an existing lot. But say you've got two adjacent lots to each other, you've got the primary property and then you've got this ADU that you want to have developed. Then there's, you know, this possibility it may require subdivision, which is 
um, not an inexpensive thing to achieve. Um, but say you didn't need a subdivision, then in theory, what you could do is take that little parcel and basically deed that parcel to someone else and that someone else being the entity that you ultimately want to hold it. However, if the ADU is say built above a garage or put in your backyard where it is not in a separate taxable lot, then again, maybe you can look into subdivision. I don't think that that is necessarily the way you want to go here um, because I, I always believe that legal should be, you know, cost efficient and profit driven in that you shouldn't be, you know, needing asset protection from your asset protection. But if you like all this to say, like, I don't think you should subdivide your property to be able to put an ADU into an LLC. Um, but say that this other property is your personal residence. I wouldn't suggest putting the property into an LLC because then you lose a lot of the great tax benefits we get on our personal residence, uh, namely things like capital gains exclusions and good interest rates, <laughs> things like that are not worth giving up. But if you can, you know, if there is some sort of separate uh, lot that you can deal with and move into an entity, then yeah, go ahead and do that. Um, the only other thing I would say to kind of look out there for a red flag is say when you purchase the property, say you've got one mortgage that is basically uh, collateralized on both of those tax lots. Even though the one is empty, the you know the house is located on one, you've got this empty lot that you now want to put the ADU on, a bank is you know cross-collateralizing using both of those lots to be able to give you that mortgage that you use to purchase the property. And so there, any sort of like subdivision or even just deeding the property to anything other than yourself, meaning another entity used for asset protection purposes, is going to cause you know an issue with your lender. Again, it's the due on sale clause. Some people think it's the boogeyman. I have seen it, you know, called on people. Um, and I my theory, we'll see what plays out in 2023 is that as interest rates are increasing, it behooves the banks right now to call these loans up that are you know in violation of their terms because they can force you to refi essentially into higher interest rates. Uh, we've been in a decreasing interest rate environment for you know a decade plus, and the tides have finally turned. So uh, end rant on the due on sale clause. But let's assume that you are able to move this singular lot or you want to move the entire lot say you've got you know a single family property that's a rental and you're tacking something on top of the garage and the whole thing is a rental property you've got no you know great capital gain benefit from keeping this property in your personal name because you're not living there and so in that case what do we want to move the property into and the answer here is an llc what type of llc you want to put it into is up to you. You know, there's the designer bag LLCs like the Wyoming ones that make most attorneys roll their eyes. Um, but, you know, some, you know, investors feel good about having, you know, Wyoming or Nevada LLCs. They give a little bit of extra, you know, Google protection. Do they give any extra asset protection? No. Um, and so that's up to you. Whether or not you do, you know, the state where the property is located, the state where you live, um, or, a designer bag LLC, if you will, is kind of up to you and like your choice. Um, as always with LLCs, you've got 
you know, cross-registration requirements. So say your property is located in Texas and you live in California. One, you probably don't want to form a California LLC anyway because they're very expensive. But say you did and you held the Texas property there, you'd still have to register it in Texas because you're doing business there. It just it doesn't move the property out of Texas, the fact that the revenue is coming from there. And so just keep that in mind when choosing what type of LLC. Uh, corporations, again, no, uh, you can obviously consult with your CPA. I'm not a CPA. I'm not a tech. I don't give tax advice. But I've never heard someone say that a corporation is a good idea for rental income. Uh, it just ruins a lot of the great tax benefits that you can get uh, with LLCs and things like that. It's just, it's an extra headache and it's almost never, ever a good idea. Uh, same thing with S-Corp elections. You can make that determination with your CPA, but they're almost, I've almost never, ever, ever form an LLC as a holding company for, um, as an S-Corp with an S-Corp election, uh, which is just a tax status. It, it doesn't change the type of entity. An S-Corp is just, again, a tax status. Um from the get-go. These are things that you can make an election in down the line with your CPA as your, you know, profits indicate that that would be a worthwhile endeavor. Definitely make that decision though uh, alongside a real estate focused CPA, just not like a general CPA because the rules for us real estate investors are very different uh, as to when those types of elections make sense versus like a traditional uh, brick and mortar type of business. And so I hope that answered your question, Amy. The the two things that I would, you know, look at here is one, whether there is the ability to kind of parcel off, piece off this ADU to be able to give it its own unique type of asset protection uh, in an entity. And then if you did, it will probably going down that LLC route. What state you choose to form it in is a little bit of a personal decision. We talked a little bit about the pros and cons of different types of states that you can put it into. And from there, you can get rocking and rolling. Uh, as always, good, uh, I'll say offensive asset protection strategies when it comes to ADUs, midterm rentals, things like that, having adequate insurance policies, renter policies, and of course, leases, terms and conditions, if you're using like an off, uh, like an app, sometimes these apps for booking don't really give you the option to have someone sign a lease. It's more of like, here's my terms and conditions of using the property, getting those uh, locked up and that way you have a legit agreement, <laughs> something that can bring you to court um, because it's not always uh, about the slip and falls we've got to worry about. There, There's a lot of other say boogeyman. No, not even boogeyman because boogeyman makes it seem fake. There's actual other risks out there beyond slip and falls. And you want to make sure that you're protected for all of it because LLCs and insurance um, just don't begin to capture it all. And um, relying solely on them, no matter what the property type is or investing strategy is, uh, would be foolish. And so that's it for this Q&A episode. As I said at the beginning, if you've got a question of your own you would like me to answer, just go to bonniegallum.com forward slash podcast and click the button to leave a question right there at the top. That's it for now. See you here same time, same place next week and happy new year. Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. 
That's it for this episode. Bye for now.